we're obviously honored and excited uh, to have the opportunity to, to, to play a, a plus one game. And, uh, you know, it'll be a great experience for our players uh, to play a great opponent uh, in the Houston Cougars. So we're excited uh, for the opportunity for our guys to go compete to be a bowl champion. So it's a, I think it's a great deal for our program and very, very uh, honored to be selected. How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. And everywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm your host, Rob DeMello, and joining me, Spectrum Sports Analyst, former University of Hawaii player and coach, Rich Miano. And coach, we can call it a Christmas miracle because less than 24 hours after the University of Hawaii thought they closed out their 2020 season with a win over UNLV at Aloha Stadium, 38 to 21, improving the four and four on the year. They get noticed that they've been offered, extended and accepted an invite to the New Mexico Bowl, which will be played in Frisco, Texas on Christmas Eve. The University of Hawaii is going to be taking on the Houston Cougars on December 24th. So first things first, man, how big of a Christmas surprise is this the, the bows are going bowling? Yeah, I'm not sure many people uh, thought that was even a possibility, Rob. And for it to actually happen, and you mentioned Christmas Eve, that's December 24th, playing the University of Houston, a proud program. UH going against UH. We're going to see who's the better UH. Um, I just think that this means so much to Todd Graham. I think more importantly, it means so much to these kids. Because in 10 years, 20 years, whether you played one bowl game, two, three, it didn't matter that you were four and four. It mattered that you got another game to play in to reward you guys for your hard work, dedication. And it's always fun to be part of a bowl game. I think the kids are going to enjoy it. I think Todd Graham and his new staff is going to enjoy it. And I know the state of Hawaii will be following the, the Rainbow Warriors December 24th. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the University of Hawaii closes out their modified eight-game Mountain West Conference schedule for 2020 at four and four. And that put the University of Hawaii in fifth place in the Mountain West. So I think to a man, everybody who follows UH and Todd Graham included in the post-game press conference was talking about this season in the past tense, thinking that there's no way that the University of Hawaii is going to get a bowl invite. And when you look at it, Nevada, San Jose State, Boise State are going to bowl games. Boise State and San Jose State, you still got to figure out where they're going after they play in their conference championship game this week. Nevada is playing in a bowl game and the University of Hawaii playing in a bowl game in that number five spot. So the, the odd team out appears to be San Diego State. And at the time of this recording, we don't know what happened with the Aztecs if they passed up on a bowl invite or if a bowl game, uh, the New Mexico Bowl thought that Hawaii was a better fit for that bowl game. Maybe, you know, something you got to look at too is, is a team coming from California. Maybe you're thinking like, hey, there's a lot of COVID issues. There's been cancellations this season. UH has played all eight of their games. They haven't been an issue this season. This is more of a guarantee because the last thing a bowl game wants are cancellations. Uh, if you thought that was bad for the regular season, it would be horrible for a bowl game on a national televised date. So um, with that being said, playing all their games and getting those four victories, this is an opportunity earned no matter what way you look at it because Hawaii put themselves in this position to be selected by a bowl game, right? 
Yeah, and when you think of how Todd Graham and that staff and the medical staff, Brian Wong and the trainers and the doctors and, you know, how they traveled and how they practiced and how they had meetings, they really have come unscathed in this COVID thing. So they won when it comes to negotiating the COVID crisis. Also, I think when you look at San Diego State, and I'm just thinking from an entertainment standpoint, they bring it on defense, but boy, they're hard to watch offensively. Hawaii's exciting. They're dynamic. They have Chevin Cordero. They have Calvin Turner. They have Darius Muasau. They've got, you know, an attacking style of defense. They can put points up. And you're right. I think it's the traveling ability to stay COVID free, if that's a possibility, and to be able to compete on Christmas Eve. And I think Hawaii's well-deserved. And of course, uh, here on Bo's Football Final, the show continues because the University of Hawaii football season continues. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about the matchup itself against the Houston Cougars, which a matchup that you're familiar with because it was in 2003 in the Hawaii Bowl that the Rainbow Warriors and Cougars just went at it in a multiple overtime game won by the Bows, which ended in a brawl that went yes. viral at that time. And that was really before even uh, the social media was as big as it is right now. Um, but we'll talk more about the Cougars next week and the following week as we get ready for that New Mexico Bowl game. But as a coach, and, and you talked about it throughout from the very first episode of BFF, and we we're just talking about the depth chart and the season preview of how important practices are for this team. Todd Graham has explained time and time again that they've stayed as safe as they have this season because they were so proactive. I mean, if a player has an earache, they're held out of practice. If a player wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and maybe doesn't feel 100%, like, hey, you're not coming onto this field because they are trying to stay COVID-free. And so there were so many practices that this team didn't have. You go back to when Todd Graham was hired, it took six months before he ever stepped foot on the grass practice field and conducted a practice as the Rainbow Warrior head coach. So going to the postseason and having this bowl game, it gives you a couple of weeks more of practice for this team laying a foundation for the future here at the University of Hawaii. From that perspective, how huge is it that their season continues? I think it's huge. And, you know, it's huge for everybody that gets invited. There's less bowl games this year, so there's less participation. But when you have a new coaching staff and you have a new coaching staff with all the COVID-related uh, matters in terms of practice time and, and uh, meeting times and all the other things, this makes this the best Christmas present that Todd Graham and his staff could ever want because – this is a guy who, like myself, is a defensive-minded but a condition-minded. And when you're talking about conditioning, elite discipline, elite conditioning, training the mind, training the soul, training the body, you now have all this extra time to train these warriors to become warriors, to get that offensive passing game a little bit more rhythmic, that up-tempo style, to get these guys stronger, to get them better conditioned. His first hire was his strength coach because he believes in conditioning and he believes in the training. He's going to get all that extra training and every one of these players will benefit by having those 15 practices and every one of these players will benefit by having another football game. These kids train all year round. They get to play another game on Christmas. There's nothing better, Rob. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And like I said, uh, it, it was unexpected by both the University of Hawaii for the most part. Uh, credit to David Matlin, the athletics director, uh, for doing what he needed to do in order to get Hawaii in that position and be able to get the invite to accept it. Because uh, at the end of the day, 
UH could have turned it down. Uh, and and but they are playing in this bowl game against Houston in Frisco, Texas, which is special to Todd Graham because it's near the area that he grew up in Mesquite uh, in that Dallas region. And, uh, and and it's a place that he recruits. They're going to be looking for players in that area. So this gives an opportunity with 20% of the crowd being able to come to that stadium and, and be able to watch the University of Hawaii. Who knows? Maybe it's recruits. Maybe it's parents of recruits that are going to make that trip and drive down to the game and check it out in person. And, and maybe you get some recruiting wins there uh, by a good performance against Houston. But again, kick off to the New Mexico bowl, which was relocated to Frisco, Texas, but still called the New Mexico bowl is on December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1030 in the morning, Hawaii time. And it will be nationally televised on ESPN. And as I explained earlier, we're going to talk a lot more about the bowl game and the matchup itself here in the coming weeks on Bo's football final. But typically on a BFF, we talk about the game that had just been completed. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about that 38 to 21 win over UNLV. This season was bookended uh, in regards to the regular season with their most complete victories uh, leading all four quarters against UNLV. That's something they hadn't done all year. It was scoring first. It was getting that 7-0 lead for the first time this season. You saw a similar performance against Fresno State where you felt it was a complete game. They were able to go over 200 yards rushing, over 500 yards of total offense. They forced turnovers. And so with those two performances to start the regular season and end the regular season, uh, how, how big of a win was that for this Rainbow Warrior program, Rich? I thought it was huge. And, you know, at the time we were talking about kickstarting 2021. This is going to be the last game. You know, people only remember what you did in the last game and players have that good feeling in the off season. But to play a complete game or one of their most complete games, as you mentioned, on, you know, all three phases. I was impressed with Adam Stack kicking the ball. You know, Shipley made that crucial field goal after having missed an earlier field goal, his longest of the season. There are a lot of good things on all three phases. And the stars came out to play. Chevin Cadero, Calvin Turner, Darius Muasau, and a host of other guys. And sometimes I don't mention Bless Mentala, but maybe one of the most consistent defensive linemen that we've seen in a long time. And uh, it was fun to watch. There were times where you still questioned offensive identity. There were times where, you know, it seems like they weren't in rhythm. But there were other times where explosive plays happened. And Darius the Destroyer and one of my favorite guys, Kowali Nishigaya, came into that game. And I'm just – the fabric of this team has always been the walk-on guys. Kowali Nishigaya is going to be the gr next great walk-on to play for the University of Hawaii. And I couldn't take my eyes, Rob. The last 20 plays, I did not watch the ball. I watched Darius Muasau. Even when he didn't make the tackle, he impacted the game. He can rush the passer. He can drop. He can cover. He can spy on quarterbacks. It's amazing, sideline to sideline. That was as exciting watching one single player, especially at the linebacker position since Pisa Tanoi Samoa against Alabama. Well, let's stay on that theme and let's stay with number 53 and his performance. Uh, when you look at 18 total tackles against UNLV, he had a sack, two and a half tackles for loss. He finishes the regular season. And keep in mind, there's now one more game. 95 tackles leading the team. And that was just in eight games played. I remember in the beginning of Bo's football final, the very first episode, you talked about this player has an opportunity to be a hundred tackle guy in this program, forgetting that they're not playing 13 <laughs> to 15 games like they have the last exactly. few years. 
um, knowing that there were just eight games, you then retracted a little bit and said like, oh, well, in a normal season, this guy almost got the hundred tackles in the eight games. Uh, just tell me how special of a player he is. And, and I know when you start bringing up names like Pisatino Samoa to compare him to, that just shows you how special he is. But I mean, are we talking Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year possibilities for Darius Musa when those when those awards get announced here uh, on Tuesday? Yeah, I think we are. And um, I'd be shocked if he's not in that conversation as the Defensive Player of the Year because I think he's done enough in terms of tackles philosophy. I think he has the volume of tackles. I think when you talk to opposing offensive coordinators, you know, 53 is the first guy that comes out of their mouth. And Todd Graham has recognized that he's one of the best that has ever played for him. And we on Spectrum last night, we got a chance to really look at his eyes and then after he makes a play, that swagger and that smile and that confidence and lining guys up, you know, you see him lining guys up, you see him making the calls, you see him rushing the passer. I just talked about, he was covering a back out of the backfield one-on-one. A running back has a two-way go and has 53 yards of field, the width to work with as well as the vertical. He covers guys. There's not a weakness in his game. You don't have to take him out in passing situations. He can lock up on a back. He can blitz. He can become that fourth rusher in the three-man odd front. He does a lot for this football team, and he does everything well. You know, it's great because uh, everyone talks about the number 53 and, and you know, Blaze Swords is the first thing that comes to mind. And it now makes perfect sense. Darius Musa is number 53 because he covers the entire width of the field. Uh, this is a guy that you can trust here in this University of Hawaii defense that, of course, head coach Todd Graham has a very strong hand in and what they're doing and what they want to do moving forward. He's a player that Coach Graham singles out as one of the faces, one of the heartbeats of this football team. And so let's talk about the offense. You mentioned Chevin Cordero and what he was able to do against UNLV. He goes 20 to 33 for 252 yards passing. He does have one interception, but also rushing the football 88 yards on 12 carries and two touchdowns with Chevin. You, you see that the, the, the hardest part about running this offense is probably the, the option reads and um, knowing how to facilitate that part of the offense. There's so many moving parts and, and he does it so well. I mean, when you talk to Todd Graham about Chevin Cordero's possibilities in this offense, he talks about already Chevin's one of the, the best that he's ever had in that position running, whether it's at Arizona state or Tulsa and those similar offenses, but you get the, the feeling that, Accuracy on the non-spectacular throws is something that he needs to work on, something that would help this offense move along a little bit more. We saw it time and time again throughout this season, just, you know, important third down throws or maybe just a, a second and eight that it, he, he overthrows or puts too high. And it just seems like the, the, the rhythm throws is what he has the hardest time getting a consistent feel for. But do you see the growth in that area is that something that Chevin Cordero can get better at because why I'm asking that is it seems like if he gets that under control the sky's the limit yeah and I don't want the listener the viewer to think that you know I just talk about these guys as the greatest players in the Mountain West Conference but I do think he is the most dynamic quarterback in this conference with three years to play so think about that okay but he did start off zero for four last week 
okay, against San Jose State and missed a couple of easy throws. He missed a couple of easy throws to uh, last night, including a deep ball uh, to Calvin Turner, who was wide open. He also missed a couple of, you know, basic throws, as you met, mentioned, rhythm throws. People have to remember, a run-and-shoot quarterback has different platforms and, and different footwork, and they roll to a certain side and they go through a progression. He's learning a new system. Remember, he was also a run-and-shoot quarterback in high school. This is completely new to him, and Hawaii shuffles their receivers in and out, and therefore they run different speed breakouts. They run different depths of their patterns. They have different throwing radiuses. Uh, that being said, yeah, Shevin can get a lot better as in terms of accuracy. He can get a lot better in terms of understanding the ink intricacies and the nuances of this offense but the sky is the limit because he can make every single throw I remember last year I was watching a San Jose State preseason game in San Jose State Stutzman had him throw about 50 balls in pregame every ball was on the chin of the receiver so it's not like he's not capable of making all the throws he just has to get more comfortable in this system in this scheme and continue to work on the technique because I'm going to make a statement if he continues to work on his technique, which I know he will, he's a hard worker. If he gets a little bigger and stronger through his core and able to drive the ball a little bit even better because he can spin it. I think this is a next level guy. I think this is a guy that every single defensive coordinator in the Mountain West Conference is not going to sleep for the next three years. And you think about 250 yards per game, Rob, that's essentially what his average was this year, 2,000 yards. When you throw in last year's yardage and you do the math, if Hawaii has the 13-game exemption, if they play in the Mountain West Championship, if they play in a bowl game, that's 45 more games. This kid is capable of the two to 300 to 400-yard passing games. He's capable of running between 50 and 100. And if you stop him from running for 5,200, that's not just quarterback design runs. Those are scrambles and extended plays. This kid is, to me, the most dynamic quarterback in this conference, and we're blessed to have him, and there's a lot of growth potential. Yeah, and you talk about what he was able to accomplish this year in those eight games, a 126.84 quarterback rating, going 180 of 290 for 1,947 yards through six interceptions, 11 touchdowns. And then you look at his rushing, 623 yards gained, 173 yards lost. So that gives you a, a 450 net on 108 carries with seven touchdowns. So definitely the offense runs through Shevin Cordero. And of course, the trademark tandem of Shevin and Seven came through against UNLV. And you look at Calvin Turner Jr., uh, that number seven portion of that group, he has 155 all-purpose yards. And that comes with his receiving only providing two catches for 77 yards. And now you saw a huge kickoff return for touchdown get called back. You saw a big rushing touchdown out of the Wildcat get called back. This is a guy that time and time again just impresses and he shows that what Todd Graham calls, and this is what he said in the postgame show, was just scratching the surface of what he is capable of and with staying in this system and with the added practices, with the added training that he thinks that he can even be more spectacular than what we've seen. And so Really, I mean, we still have more football to talk about. But with that being said, I think the question on everyone's mind because of the situation of Saturday night's game was that, hey, it's no senior night. Everyone has the option to come back. But will 
number seven be coming back in. And so for you as someone, an 11 year NFL veteran, as a former assistant coach of the, the, the collegiate level as a, uh, a liaison um, to the, the, NFL. the NFL for the University of Hawaii, Calvin Turner Jr., would you think that he needs to come back for one more year? Or do you think strike while the iron's hot? And, and really, is the iron hot outside of the islands? I mean, that's another question of, is anyone else seeing this right now? You got Chevin and Seven. I got Cordero the hero, Turner the burner. That's yeah. trademarked already. I'm getting yeah. residuals in the mail. Now, that being said, Rob, that's a great question because, you know, I'm also the executive director of the Hula Bowl and the first two invites for the University of Hawaii would be Chevin Cordero and Cortez Davis. Now, I, I think he can get better. Cal but Calvin, I think Turner, Calvin Turner Calvin Turner and Cortez Davis. Excuse, excuse yeah. me. Um, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, do slip. you know something we don't know? <laughs> Freudian slip. Edit that. Okay, so... Um, you know, we would already have given him an invitation if this season was over. And we now will get the 110th best player to the 200th best player in America. The scouts are already talking about him. He has enough stuff, Rob, on his film right now, I think, to be drafted. Now he's still going to have to get time. He's going to have to go through the wonder lick and all these other things. But as a football player, I think he's the best football player in the Mountain West Conference. And when I say that, he's not a better receiver than Dubs or the kid from Boise State or maybe even Bailey Gaither from San Jose State. He's not a better running back than I think Greg Bell is from San Diego State. I'm talking football player. I'm talking the, about the ability to do whatever you want. Kick return, eventually a punt return when he learns how to field the ball. Uh, obviously the Wildcat stuff, the slot receiver stuff. He's really learning how to run routes, you, you know, lining up in the running back position. This guy is so dynamic, Rob. He plays at a different speed. And when I say playing at a different speed, it doesn't mean he's the fastest guy on the field. It means he knows when to be a little slower. He knows when to be a little faster. He knows he has vision at the second level. So when he breaks through a hole, he's already anticipating how to beat that guy. But then he's seeing the next level, the third level as a kick, kick returner. He is setting people up before they even are in most people's vision. This guy is something special, Rob. And defensive coordinators know where he's at. They fear him. They're going to try to scheme him. But I, I think we are witnessing a special guy. Do I hope he comes back? Yes, for the University of Hawaii's sake. Do I think he can go to the National Football League right now? Yes, he can. That's a family decision. And uh, may, may the best league win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, luckily for University of Hawaii football fans, as it stands, there will be at least one more opportunity to see Calvin Turner Jr. don the green H and top of trim as the University of Hawaii will take on Houston in the New Mexico Bowl on Christmas Eve, 1030 in the morning, Hawaii time on ESPN. And as I explained, we will talk a lot more about that bowl game here in the coming weeks. But first things first, let's go to our Bose football final mailbox where, of course, you could always find me on social media by dropping a line on Instagram at Rob DeMello. I'm also found there at Facebook and at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N, on Twitter. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions and comments here for the Bose Football Final Mailbox. We really appreciate it. But we're going to start off with Julie on Instagram. And it's a two-part question, Rich, so I'm going to break it up. So part number one for Coach Rich is what impresses you most about – Someone you've already talked about here, St. Louis graduate, true freshman, Kuali Nishigai, who scored his first touchdown of his career against UNLV this past Saturday night. And that comes one week after 
having his first reception against San Jose State. Well, I had the privilege of uh, watching him throughout his prep career and talking to Cal Lee, who coached me in high school. And obviously I coached with Cal and Ron in college. And they would talk about passion, toughness, the way he practiced, his focus. And you know what? The only thing he doesn't have is size. This is We're not talking about Rudy. We're not talking about your average walk-on. We're talking about a guy that if he was six feet tall, would have had 20, 30, 40 scholarship offers because he has great vision. He has good hips. He has great quickness. His toughness is off the charts. But I think this is the guy that will make anyone's locker room better. He'll make anybody's practice better. And we always talk about having at least one Polynesian on every football team in America. The reason why is toughness, passion, coachability, all of those things that you can't measure, they're, they're not tangible. His intangibles are off the charts, but his tangibles are better than people think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I brought it up on the postgame show on Spectrum Sports, where when he was at St. Louis, you had absolute blue chip studs on that Crusader team as they were rolling through state title after state title. And on this most recent edition of St. Louis that Kuali Nishigaya played a big part on, to a man, when you line them up, Jaden Delora, who's now at Washington State, Nick Herbig, who's at Wisconsin, Roman Wilson, who's at Michigan, Jordan Botello, who's at Notre Dame. I mean, there are a handful of other guys. And every single one of them, would tell you that the best football player on this team is Kuali Nishigaya. And, and so I remember when you invited him to the Polynesian Bowl at a practice, when you extended that invite and we did it on cover two, um, the entire team erupted in the exact same manner that mm -hmm. the University of Hawaii's sideline erupted. And, and I'm glad you brought up Rudy because you know, that, that's, the, that, that's the model, right? For the walk-on, for the inspirational figure, especially the undersized player in football. Kuali Nishigaya is not that. He's not the unofficial team mascot. He's not the guy that, oh, let, let, let's get Kuali in there. No, Kuali Nishigaya busts his butt. And when you talk to, to teammates, when you talk to coaches, he's earned this opportunity. And why they're so excited is because he's a good dude and because they see how hard he works and they see that he deserves this opportunity. And he's just purely, truly likable so don't get it twisted that everyone's erupting because oh it's so cute that koali got in there no it's because they're excited that he's getting this opportunity because they think he deserves it yeah and and you know toughest guy pound for pound and you mentioned all those guys how tough they were botello and in all these other you know blue chip type of athletes you're talking wrestling you're talking judo you're talking hand speed you're talking just straight out respect in the locker room and then you watch how he brings that over to the practice field this guy is you know mike tressler i remember from Kauai on defense as a safety he was an undersized guy but man, he was a division one football player. There's been a lot of other great walk-ons throughout this program that have made this program. I, th I think the fans enjoy it. I think he will be on scholarship, hopefully sooner than later. And, and, and I think you're, you, you mentioned it. It's not because he runs a 4-9, 40-yard dash. This kid is quick. It's not because he benches 185 pounds because he's going to get in there and, 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 and get down and dirty and, and, and press that heavy metal. This guy is somebody I'm telling you, I'll bet you Todd Graham, by the time this guy's career is over, 
he'll be one of the favorite players Coach Graham has ever coached in every teammate. You mentioned it. After, during the game when he scored the touchdown, I've never seen so many players so excited. And it wasn't because he's a scrub and let's hand him the ball at the one-yard line. It's because he's so deserving. Absolutely. And, and you know, Rich, you, you we didn't plan this. But there's something that you said in talking about Kuali Nishigaya that is actually part two of this question from Julie on Instagram. And she's asking, can you please ask Coach Rich to explain what he means when he says a player has great hips? This is perfect. I, I can't believe you said it, not even knowing what part two of the question is. So, Coach Rich, please explain to us what you mean athletically when you say a player has great hips. Well, the segue is when you think about a guy that's linear fast, that means there's a lot of older athletes, especially that can still run fast, linear, straight ahead. But the ability to change directions comes from your hips. The ability to be a Chad Owens, a Devon Bess, a Calvin Turner is you'd be surprised. A lot of these guys can do splits. Getting that hip flexibility, some of it is genetics, but some of it is work. And when you work to get that type of position, stretching and increasing your hip flexibility is one of the most painful things to do. But talk to any coach, an offensive line coach. He's going to tell you if that left tackle can really bend his knees and change directions, it all starts in the hips. If you're stiff in the hips, you can't play this game of football. And if you're great in the hips, you can do multiple things. And Kowali Nishigaya has it. Calvin Turner has it. Devon Best, Chad Owens, Kealoha Polaris. The ability to go laterally as quick as you can go linear, that is hip flexibility. It's like Ch what Chubb said in Happy Gilmore. It's all in the hips. It's, it's all, all in the hips. hips. There you go. It's well, there, all in the thank, hips, buddy. Thank you, Julie, on Instagram for sending that in. I'm so glad that you were able to use it in a sentence and then and then have the question asked right after. That worked out perfectly. So uh, much mahalo to Julie on Instagram. I got to find uh, go through my papers and find question number two. Um, let's see. Question number two comes from Chanel on Instagram, who's asking... What does UH need most for this upcoming recruiting class? And I should mention that it is National Letter of Intent Signing Day on Wednesday as UH will start building their recruiting class for 2021. There is still another Letter of Intent Signing Day in February, but you could imagine that there will probably be about 10 or 12 players signed here on this upcoming Wednesday. And, uh, and I should mention that a, a, a former Georgia Bulldog tight end Kobe White announced his commitment to the University of Hawaii today. So you can expect him signing uh, on National Letter of Intent signing day on Wednesday. But coach, when you look at what the University of Hawaii needs for the 2021 season, what will be, what will your eyeballs be on for this recruiting class? Well, let's start with a, a rush end. You know, Derek Thomas played and I think he's starting to make some plays and, uh, but Kaimana Padello last year was a great, you know, a really undersized guy, but had a good motor and had some good techniques and could really get low. Um, it's, a, it's a defensive end, Rob. It's been missing from this program. A guy who's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, with long levers, with great hips, the ability to turn the corner. If they can get a defensive end to add to what they're doing defensively, and if you can get two, great, but just one high-quality defensive end, and then it would probably be, depending upon Cortez Davis leaving and Cameron Lock 
Bridge's emergence and Michael Washington's playing well is another shutdown, lockdown type of corner. That's on the defensive side of the ball because I think they're pretty solid everywhere else, but it is the tight end position on offense. You know, Iliki did a nice job. They put some other guys in there, Derek Thomas as an H-back, whatever else. But can you imagine a tight end like an Ikaika Alama Francis, Akila Kamaka Vivioli, a guy who plays basketball that's six four, six five, that is also the ability to run routes and block at their point of attack. This offense would be lethal with a great tight end. The defense would be much more lethal with a great defensive end. And then you always need that shutdown corner. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think the, the signing of a tight end or the commitment of a tight end is alarming to many people in regards to, okay, so they're going to be running a tight end now. Well, they have been running, running a tight yeah. end, but they've been using Derek Thomas and Kelly yeah. Leakey, who aren't natural tight ends, for that position. You know, From a blocking standpoint, we haven't seen that position used offensively and trying to get them the ball really and so this kind of adds to that it's just another wrinkle to what this offense can do moving forward so definitely a a big need there that that is brought in here in the form of a former georgia bulldog well uh, again national letter of intent signing day is on wednesday stay with khon2.com on tv on air through our social media platforms as we'll be covering that for the university of hawaii and their recruiting class here for 2021 all right richie on instagram says, hey, Rob, I listened last week, and I have to tell you that the Monk Seal mascot idea is horrible. Nobody <laughs> will be intimidated by a stuffed Monk Seal. Gotta be a warrior like how Vili was. And all right, so I get it that it, you know, it maybe doesn't appeal to everyone, but the whole point of why I brought that up and what I was talking about was for the kids, to, for families. And, 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 and it, it came up because I was talking about when, when I was growing up, I felt the University of Hawaii athletic program, especially the football team, was more part of my life as a child than my children are experiencing now. And, and that's a crazy thought because I'm a sportscaster in the state of Hawaii that covers the University of Hawaii that, you know, I, I spend so many of my weekends covering this team and, and they order the pay-per-view so that they can watch the game. And, and But still, I feel like that that crossover into my kids' lives outside of me just isn't there. And I think that a mascot would help because you send the mascot out to class assemblies and, and you go out to community events, to little league games, and, and you don't need a coach or a player to be that representative of the university of Hawaii. You can have a mascot be that representative year round and, 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 and be able to uh, get that H into more households. And, and, and like I brought up to RJ last week, and, and I think it's more important to say it to you, Rich, because you're a father like I am, what your kids are interested in becomes what the family is interested in. And so I feel like if you can get to that, that younger generation in, 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 in some form, I think that will only help. But before I hand the mic over to you, Rich, there's one thing I don't like about this, Richie, on Instagram, is the thought process of a mascot needs to be intimidating. And we've been hearing that for so long. I mean, you heard it back, you know, when the rainbows became the warriors and no one's going to be intimidated by the rainbow and you need to have. Can we just stop with that already? I mean, let's look at the best college football teams in the country. The Ohio State Buckeyes is a seed. Is that intimidating? <laughs> what, maybe you might choke on it or something? Or, or, or I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, are you going to tell me that the Ducks are intimidating? 
it you know what's intimidating winning football games that then becomes intimidating right and, and so you, you know the I, I i get it you know the rainbow warriors and you know when they're the, just the warriors for a bit i you know i i grew to appreciate it but you know at the end of the day it still bothers me that the university of hawaii football program aren't the rainbows because it's it's a representation of our state it's what makes us unique and that's what from a marketing standpoint, the University of Hawaii, that they, they had a slam dunk there forever, is that you could see the rainbow football team on the field in those uniforms and not for a second will anyone have to say, oh, who's that playing? They know exactly who that is playing. And, and you know, now when you look with the dark uniforms, I mean, there are people who don't live in Hawaii that for a split second, maybe they think they're watching Marshall. Maybe they think it's Eastern Michigan, right? Maybe they think it's Michigan State and then until they figure out who it is. It's all about marketing and being able to be identified and Hawaii has a chance to that, that other states would kill for. And that's, you can't confuse Hawaii with anyone else if it's marketed properly. Okay, I think I, I, think I said <laughs> what I need to say. Rich, your thoughts on this. Well, to me, Rob, you are our resident genius. You are the most passionate. You give it the most thought. And I do agree with you that I thought Billy the Warrior at that time was one of the best mascots in college football. And um, I do understand what you're saying about the Ducks and the families and how do you entice these young people to become part of this program? So I'm going to leave that up to you. But if I was Dave Matlin or if I was IMG Learfield, I would hire you as <laughs> one of my marketing people. And, uh, you know, the monk sale, will that offend uh, some of the Hawaiian people or, or, or whatever else? I'm not sure because it's an endangered species. And I think it would bring great education and awareness to that. And, and I think you do need to make sure that it's family friendly, even though football is a violent game. This is not just for football. This is for the University of Hawaii Athletic Department. And you mentioned a great point with the ducks. I mean, that duck doesn't look like, it looks like a cartoon type of duck in some of their logos and some of their uh, uh, branding. So I, I'm with you on that, Rob. It doesn't have to be this menacing type of evil, you know, tough warrior. It has to be probably more importantly, something that will make all the viewers, anyone watching uh, University of Hawaii Athletics know that it's the University of Hawaii. So I'm with you and I'm not against the rainbow warriors. Some people don't like rainbows for whatever reason, thinking whatever their thoughts are and politically correct and all that kind of stuff. Hey, you know what? The rainbow warrior to me bridges both gap, both types of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm not married to the monk seal idea. Yeah, it was correct. just literally came out of my mouth when I was talking to RJ about this. I mean, it could be anything. It could be an owl. It could be a nene goose. It could be something that's special to Hawaii, though. I think that is the most important yes. thing. It needs to be unique yes. to Hawaii. Unique. And there needs to be education with it. I, I think, as you bring up, an endangered species, you know, you can kill two birds with one stone. Uh, that's a horrible analogy when talking right. about <laughs> endangered species. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just reaching multiple platforms. But Educating um, 
entertaining people as you entertain them. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and so, but hey, I, I'm always down to talk and, and Richie on Instagram, thanks for sending that in, um, even though you call my idea horrible, but I love, I mean, let's, <laughs> I love the, the conversation going. So um, feel free to hit me up on social media, everybody at Rob DeMello on Instagram and Facebook at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N on Twitter. That does it for this week's Bo's Football Final Mailbox. And as I explained earlier, we will talk a lot more about the New Mexico Bowl matchup against Houston. But before we kind of wrap things up here on this episode of Bo's Football Final, uh, Rich, the having extended weeks of the UH football season, is such a long conversation from years past up until right now of, of generating interest in Hawaii football. How much does that help, you think, to to have more weeks of Hawaii football when we thought that it wasn't going to be there, to have a nationally televised game that people can watch and be proud that a representative of the state of Hawaii is playing on that stage. Uh, what does that do? What does this bowl game do for that never-ending mission of trying to reach the fan base? Yeah, and, and, I, and I think I'd be remiss, you mentioned earlier, it's so important for recruiting to be on national TV, to be on ESPN. That's going to be a large audience because it's Christmas Eve. I, I really think that this is going to help them in recruiting. It should help them in branding, in marketing. And I think by winning this last game and not having a losing season, and I think by potentially hopefully winning or at least competing at a very high level against a good mainland team, the University of Houston, and going on the road. And if you can get a win on the road in national TV, that hasn't happened that many times in this program, or at least not enough. I think this is huge, Rob. I, when I left the game last night, I'm listening to fans and phones on the way back. I, I watched the game this morning. When I got the word that the University of Hawaii was playing in a bowl game, there's nothing but positive. So Hawaiian Air helped out, Dave Matlin, whoever was involved in getting this program into a bowl game, there's not a negative and there's lots of positives. Absolutely. And especially when you look at this program and its progression over the years, remember, this is only the third bowl game all time for the University of Hawaii. That's not the Hawaii Bowl. That's not held at Aloha Stadium, whether the Aloha Bowl, Oahu Bowl or Hawaii Bowl in, in those forms. Um, the last being the Sugar Bowl against Georgia in on New Year's Day 2008. And, and then you look at the only bowl game won uh, away from the islands was the 1992 Holiday Bowl uh, for the University of Hawaii. So this is very significant. And then you look at the significance of even just going four and four in the regular season. Um, that makes it three straight non-losing seasons in the regular season for this program. And that's something that hasn't been done at UH since 2008 when there was the run of 2006, 2007, 2008. And for as crazy as it sounds, through the success of the June Jones era and the glory days of Hawaii football, that before that, it was done 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. It was a four-year stretch of non-losing seasons. Outside of that, you got to go all the way back to 1988, I think it is when the, you know, 70... 79 to 88 or, or whatever it is, or um, you got to go a, a ways back to find that kind of sustained success of the program. So very significant that the University of Hawaii finished that regular season at four and four. But again, we will talk a lot more about the bowl game moving forward here in the weeks of Bo's football final, but that does it for us here today. Much mahalo to everybody who supports Bo's football final at KHON2.com and everywhere you download podcasts. Rich Miano, much mahalo for joining us. We'll be catching you again very soon, my man. 
Take it easy, everybody. Aloha. Aloha.